I want to share with you two stories this morning. I want to share with you one story from the Bible, and I want to share with you one story from my own personal experience, uh, something that happened to me just in the last uh, couple weeks, uh, about two weeks ago. So, um, as I share these stories, I want us to keep in mind something that Travis mentioned last week when he was preaching. He shared with us Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and that verse is, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So as we listen to these two stories, I want us to remember that. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John shared is the power of God to bring salvation to those who believe. And I believe that the gospel that we share, right? Jesus at work in our lives as we share the word of God and how he's been working within us, that is the power of God to bring salvation to those who believe. That's a really awesome, awesome thing. Because it's not what we do, it's what God does. And it's what we're sharing. It is the theme of our witness, Jesus Christ. That is the theme of our witness, always. So let's keep that in mind as I share these, these two stories. But before I do, would you please pray with me? Lord, thank you for this morning and thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful sunshine. Lord, thank you for uh, your word and how it speaks to us, Lord. Your word that is living and active. Your word, Lord God, that is powerful and mighty. Thank you, Jesus. And so I pray, Lord God, that as we spend this time together, Lord, that your word would be heard this morning. Thank you, Father. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the first word that I want to share with you, the first story, is what we just heard Rebecca read, Acts chapter 16, and I want to invite you to follow along. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 16. <clears throat> and the reason we're going to do this is because it's really good to read Scripture together, church. It's a really good thing to do. And it's a good thing even just to hear Scripture and so if you can promise me that you're not going to fall asleep, I would say feel free just to close your eyes and just hear Scripture as it's being read to you, but only if you're not going to fall asleep. Otherwise, read along, okay? We're going to start in verse 16, and we're just going to read a bit, and then we're going to talk a bit about it. But here are two really cool stories of God at work, and this is the first. Acts chapter 16 is the story of Paul, and uh, as he's traveling through Philippi, uh, we meet Timothy in Acts chapter 16. Uh, we he hear the, about the uh, conversion of Lydia. And in our story this morning, we're going to begin in verse 16, which is Paul and Silas in Philippi and their encounter with a woman who was a fortune teller. So starting in verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. 
Don't you love it when someone is following you and shouting at you something constantly over and over and over? Isn't that a joy? Well, it was a joy for Paul as well. Finally, Paul became so troubled, so annoyed, and so exasperated that he finally turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. Now, there's a lot in here that I could just preach on by itself. We're not going to spend a lot of time in this. This is just the catalyst for why Paul and Silas end up in prison. But one thing I want us to remember is that this woman followed them, it says, for days. These men are servants of the Most High God, and they're telling the way to be saved. These men are the servants of the Most High God, and they are telling you the way to be saved. Over and over and over, it seems, for days. Slightly annoying. But what happens when you hear something over and over and over? It begins to lose its power, doesn't it? Or it becomes annoying, or you start to tune it out. And so I wonder if that's what's going on here with Paul. She's still going on about these two guys that are here to save people? I'm so sick of hearing about this. What kind of power does that give Paul and Silas to share the word, right? So Paul turns around, casts the demon out. Okay. Verse 19, when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. They are throwing our entire city into an uproar. Me and my friend, we are in an uproar. That counts as the entire city and that's what they're doing. There's a slight embellishment going on here. They're leaving out the financial loss part of it and instead putting it in the frame of, this is a threat to Roman society. You've got to do something about this. At the very least, they're disturbing the peace. And if there's one thing you don't do back then, it's disturb the peace. Especially with some odd religion that's not recognized in Rome. And so they know how to frame this well. And the crowd seems to be happy to join in. Hey, a couple of Jews, okay, let's beat these guys up. The crowd joined, verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. I want us to pay attention for a moment to the fact that they were severely flogged. This wasn't just a a, a rap on the wrist. How dare you? Into jail with you. They were severely flogged. When the Jews um, flogged somebody, they were allowed to use leather whips, but only they were allowed to do 40 lashes. That was it. Sounds a little barbaric today, but we're doing a comparison thing here, okay? So stay with me on that. Um, Forty lashes only. As far as I understand, the Romans did not have that rule. They could go as long as they wanted. And they were using rods of wood. So imagine like a big broomstick or like a big shovel handle that you're using and just hitting someone over and over and over. It's not designed just to punish. It's designed to really break you down. Body, mind, spirit. They were severely flogged. They are bleeding. They are in pain. They have been placed in stocks, it says. They are contorted um, in these stocks to cause more pain. These guys have had, at the very least, an incredibly rough day. Okay? Severely flogged. And 
And I think it's important to focus on this because this puts the next part in a very cool light. In verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Well, why wouldn't they be? What is up with these two guys? They have been severely flogged. They are still bleeding. They are sitting in filth. And they are singing praises to God in a deep, dank, dark dungeon. Suddenly there was, a, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Why is everybody still there? Why haven't they run out? The doors are open. The chains have been loosed. Why not go? What are they so afraid of? Now, I, I, I've, I've talked about this before, but I want to do it again because this is a really cool what-if moment. What were some of the things perhaps Paul and Silas were singing that the prisoners were listening to? Psalms 113 to 118 were very popular with, uh, with the Israelites. These were some of the greatest hits that they would know. Okay, often sung at the Passover meal. But if we look at these psalms, maybe we get just an idea of some of the things that the prisoners were listening to them sing. So bear with me for a moment here. What, perhaps, were they hearing? Perhaps they were hearing, say, out of Psalm 113, they were hearing the first three verses. Praise the Lord! Praise, O servants of the Lord! Praise the name of the Lord! Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. What if the prisoners were hearing that from these flogged and beaten guys over here? What if they heard them singing, say, out of 115, say, verses 12 and 13, The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. I'm sorry. The Lord will bless you? You are in chains and you are bleeding and the Lord will bless you? Is this perhaps what they were hearing? What about 116 verses 12 to 13? How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. How can you repay the Lord? Look at you. What about Psalm 118 really quickly? Verse 24. This is my favorite. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord... Come on, prisoners. We will rejoice. Cell block A. We will rejoice and be glad. Like, was this perhaps what was going on? Verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What if? What if they were singing out of Psalm 114 and they sing verse 7? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. And all at once, there was an earthquake that shook the foundations of the prison. 
what if? That's kind of fun to think about, isn't it? What if? But they weren't going anywhere. Doors fallen off hinges. Chains have been loosed. We're free. Did you notice that we're free? Yeah, I, I, I noticed that. Should we make a break for it? I don't know. God of Jacob might be out there. <laughs> According to these two guys, I think I might just stay right here. Don't harm yourself, Paul shouted. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? For days they've been hearing crazy Sally yelling at the top of her lungs, These men are servants of the Most High God and they are here to tell you the way to be saved. For days, did you hear crazy Sally yelling that again today? Yeah, I heard crazy Sally again yelling that today. And maybe now it clicks. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the theme of our witness, church. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and he washed their wounds. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house. He set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Prison doors are opened. And God makes a way for Paul and Silas' witness that a household is saved. Don't you want God to open up more doors for our witness? Despite pain, God's word is shared. Despite resistance, God's word is shared. And despite great opposing power and authority and being severely flogged and sitting in a deep, dank, dark dungeon, God's word is shared. Pain, resistance, and opposing power, these things that often loom over us are not the final word, church. Jesus is. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last word on everything. It's important that we remember that. And every morning we have a sense of that. That God can do something so much greater with our day than anything we could imagine. Isn't that a great story? That's a great story. Can I share one more? This one is less dramatic. But as Travis also shared last week, witness is a combination of both the incredible and the simple. And a couple of weeks, actually a few months ago, something very simple happened that I believe led to something very incredible. And I've already shared the story with some of you, but I'm going to share it now with all of you because I think this is really cool. So a few months ago, my youngest son, Matthew, comes home from school and he's got a sheet of paper. And on this sheet of paper, he is to give it to one of his parents and, he, and the parent is supposed to write down what they do for a living. And so he went to Kate and said, Mom, what do you do for a living? And Kate told him. And then he came to me and he said, Dad, I want you to fill this out. <laughs> the life of an accountant isn't as exciting, I guess, sometimes. I don't know. 
balancing numbers, all that kind of stuff. Anyways, so he comes to me, and he says, Dad, I want you to fill this out. I thought, well, this is kind of cool. Because the idea is that they're going to take this piece of paper and go back to their class the next day, and they're all going to share with each other what their parents do for a living. I thought, this is really neat. All right. So I begin to fill it out. I'm a pastor. I lead music every week at church. I preach out of the Bible. I pray with people. I just start writing, listing things down, thinking this is so neat. These kids are going to have no idea what any of this means, at least some of them, I'm sure. But still, how cool is this? At the very bottom of the page was one last line, and it said, would you be interested in coming to your child's class to talk about what you do for a living? Interesting. I almost didn't sign it at all. I almost just left it, and then I thought, no, I'll, I'll do it. And as I signed it, I said to myself, this will never happen. This will never happen. This is the public education system. They're not going to ask a pastor to come and speak to their class. Weeks go by. I don't hear anything. One day, I'm standing in line with Matthew. They line up outside every morning before they go into class. And this teacher comes out, and she comes up to me, and she says, I would love it if you would come and talk to our kids about what you do for a living. I was coming. Did you see what I do for a living? Well, I thought that was great. And it was just before Easter, so, you know, there was Easter break and stuff, and, and there was a bit of a break, and then weeks went by, and I didn't hear anything, and I thought, well, maybe I missed my chance, and it didn't work out, that's okay, or, you know, whatever. And then I had to drop something off to Matthew's class one day, and she came up to me again, and she said, I would still love it if you would come. Can you come this week? And so two weeks ago, this past Thursday, I got to go into a public school, and I sat in the corner, and all the kids gathered around, and they sat down, and I got to share that I'm a pastor. This is what I do. This is why I do it. Yeah, wow. I thought, how do I frame this for an eight-year-old class? Like for a two-year-old class full of eight-year-olds, how do I frame what I do? So I framed it this way. I said, I'm a pastor, and my job is to teach people what it means to love God and what it means to love each other. That's how I framed it. I was thinking that's probably the, the sort of simplest way that I can do that. The ways that I do that is I teach them out of the Bible. Do you know what the Bible is? Here's what the Bible is. I pray with people. Do you know what prayer is? This is what prayer is. And a couple times I'm stopping and looking at the teacher and going, is this okay? She's like, yeah, keep going. I'm like, all right. I got to talk about a God that I believe in who created heaven and earth and everyone in it. I got to talk about his son Jesus who came to earth and shared the exact same thing, how to love God and how to love each other. And it was awesome. And afterwards, there was question and answer period. And that was great, too. There were lots of neat questions like, what's the biggest Bible you've ever seen and how many pages were in it? <laughs> and then some of the kids remember that I used to work at Thrifties, and it was like, what kind of groceries do you sell there? <laughs> Deep theological questions. One of the kids did ask, so is there just one God in the Bible or is there like a bunch of gods in the Bible? No, just one. And one other, one other kid asked, so is it just one story or is it like a whole bunch of stories in there? Yes. <laughs> yes, great question. It's one great big story of what God has done and what he is doing today. And it's told through all these little stories. Maybe you know some of them. David and Goliath, oh, I've heard of that. Noah and the Ark, yeah, I've, I've heard of that. It was awesome. And afterwards, they draw a picture of me in these little booklets 
that later on in the day, they're going to write down, what do we remember that Mr. Daniel shared with us? And at the end of the school year, those booklets will go home. It was awesome. I didn't have to lobby the school board to go in there. I didn't have to argue freedom of religion. God simply opened up a door and said, will you walk through this? And as I left that morning, I'm just elated at what I got to do. And I'm walking back to the car. I'm like, God, you are so cool. That was amazing. That's like Top day so far as a pastor. That is, that is fantastic. And I felt all of a sudden, he kind of tapped me on the shoulder. And I felt this pang of conviction. And he said to me, do you remember what you said when you signed the bottom of that paper? This will never happen. This will never happen. I think I've preached on saying never say never. Aren't you glad your pastor's human? <laughs> Praise God. So church, I ask you, what doors can God open for you that you never thought could be opened? What doors could be opened for you to share the word of God that you thought would never happen? Maybe to a family member or a friend that you feel is unreachable, too far gone, will never respond. Or maybe to your coworker or your classmate. What doors can God open? This opportunity just dropped into my lap, but I came away excited and challenged to say, okay, if God's willing to do this just because he wants to, what if I start to actively pray and think about places that I want to take the word of God or people that I want to share with? What if I actually start petitioning the Lord? Lord, here's what I would like to do. What could happen then? What could happen, church, if we do that? Are we doing that? I don't know what kind of effect, if any, my time at Matthew's class will have. I don't know, like, there was never any moment where, you know, the heavens burst open and the kids were getting saved, all that kind of stuff. Whatever, whatever you want to call it. I, I, nothing like that was happening. But that's not for me to worry about. And I love that. Instead, what I get to do is pray for those kids and trust that God can do something incredible through that very simple action. And that a seed could have been planted. And that one day it'll be watered. And one day it'll grow. And we talked about that in Sunday school this morning. That is the, the brilliance of our witness, is that it doesn't have to be some great end result in the moment. We trust God with that. That's not what we're called to do. We're just simply called to share. Amen? So church, what could we do if we, and I, I, I asked the Sunday school question, this is what we left it with this morning at Sunday school, so I'll, I'll leave it with all of you. What could we do as a congregation, as a witness to the neighborhood around us? Because we are in a prime spot. We are on a major artery here on Shelburne Street. We've got schools around us. We've got people around us everywhere, and more people are just coming and coming and coming. What could we do as a church to witness to the world around us? Because often it's not going to be people coming through these front doors. We've got to get out. 
What could that look like? And people are throwing out suggestions like, oh, it could be a barbecue, it could be, you know, a car wash, all these really, really awesome ideas. I ask you, church, think about it and pray about it and talk to each other and talk to your elders and talk to Travis and I. And let's dream big and let's see what God wants to do. And whatever doors he opens, let's walk through them with confidence that the word that we share is the word of God. It is Christ alive and at work within us. And that is an awesome thing to share. It is the gospel. It is the power of God, the salvation of everyone who would believe. Amen. Lord, it is with great hope and faith that we trust that you are at work today. Lord, I see that. I see that in my life. I see that in the lives of others, Lord, and I am encouraged by it and I am challenged by it, Lord, at how you call us, Lord Jesus, to, to, to speak, to live in a way that shows who you are, our words and our actions together. And so, Lord, as we come from here into the rest of the service, Lord, as we come before you to the table, and as we come before you with our gifts, And as we come before you, Lord, to go from here out into the world, would you continue to show us how, Lord, how to speak to others. And Lord, to keep our eyes and our ears alert for the doors that you will open, Lord Jesus, that we would walk through those doors with confidence in your word, Lord God. Not in us, not in what we can do, Lord Jesus, but what you can do, the the incredible things you can do with our simple testimony of who you are and what you're doing in our lives. Lord, bless this congregation with a boldness to do so, Lord Jesus. And and we look forward, Lord God, to seeing all the ways that you are glorified. In Jesus' name we pray.